Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Did you see the moon last night? The huge glowing orb hung in the sky so bright, those of us who get up early thought they'd slept in past their alarms. That's because last night's moonrise wasn't any old full moon. It was a supermoon, and it won't be the only one we'll be experiencing this month. Today, we look at how the moon influences us here on Earth, not just with the ebb and flow of the tides, but maybe with our own behaviours too. But first, news headlines for Thursday, August 3. The report into the handling of the Bruce Lerman rape case has found that while the decision to charge him was the correct one, the Director of Public Prosecutions knowingly lied to the Supreme Court. The findings regarding the decision to charge Lerman is not a reflection of his guilt or innocence. He's never been found guilty after the trial was abandoned due to juror misconduct. But the report found the DPP, Shane Drumgold, telling the inquiry he warned journalist Lisa Wilkinson about saying anything about the case in her Logie speech wasn't true. Wilkinson's speech delayed the original trial, Drumgold saying he warned her, even showing a note that he claimed was written at the time documenting this. But Wilkinson claims she wasn't warned. The inquiry finding the note wasn't written until after Wilkinson's speech was delivered. New South Wales Premier Chris Minns has had to force the resignation of one of his Cabinet Ministers, referring him for possible corruption. Newcastle MP Tim Crackenthorpe will head to the backbench with his future with New South Wales Labor under a cloud after it was revealed that the Minister for the Hunter has family members with significant real estate holdings in the region. Minns saying he has concerns his Minister may have acted in matters in which he has conflicts between his public duties and his private interests. The details of how this conflict of interest may have occurred have yet to be revealed. A new report shows successive Victorian governments have sabotaged the Murray-Darling Basin plan, the environment suffering as a result. The Debasing the Basin report released by Environment Victoria claims Victoria is the state most to blame for sabotaging the national scheme to ensure the river system is at sustainable levels after years of drought by promoting unproven water-saving infrastructure and lower water targets, instigating an offset scheme and implementing an unworkable socio-economic test. Environment Victoria Policy and Advocacy Manager Bronya Lipsky says while other states might have been more blatant in their sabotage, Victoria's undermining of the Basin Plan has been ultimately more damaging. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie have announced they're separating after 18 years of marriage. They released identical statements on social media, his in English, hers in French, announcing the split, saying after many meaningful and difficult conversations, they'd made the decision to go their separate ways. The pair say they remain focused on raising their three children in a safe, loving and collaborative environment. 
Trudeau is the second Canadian Prime Minister to announce a marriage breakdown while still in office. The first was his own father, Pierre Trudeau, who separated from his wife Margaret in 1979 and divorced in 1984. Russian forces have attacked Ukraine's main inland port across the Danube River from Romania, sending global food prices even higher. Video from the scene shows firefighters battling a huge blaze at the port as grain spills out of at least two wrecked silos. While there were no reports of casualties, the grain was due to be exported to countries including Africa and China, threatening global food security and increasing the price of grain. Russia has been relentlessly targeting Ukrainian agricultural and port infrastructure over the past two weeks since refusing to extend an agreement that had lifted the wartime blockade of grain from Ukrainian black sea ports last year. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. This month, the Earth will experience something we literally only see once in a blue moon. Last night, if you looked up into the night sky, you would have seen a magnificent moon. This wasn't an ordinary full moon. This one was a supermoon, when it looks so much bigger than usual due to it being the closest it can get to Earth in its elliptical orbit. Basically, as it swings around us, it gets closer and further away because it's not in a perfectly circular orbit. And sometimes that close approach also coincides with the full moon phase, making it a stunning supermoon sight to see. In astrology, supermoons enhance and deepen your emotions. The moon sign representing your inner self, which includes your feelings and natural instincts. Maybe why so many of us feel like things get a little crazy when the moon is full. Paige told us that she can sense a full moon's approach by those she interacts with. I am the least superstitious person, very much believe in science, logic and facts, but I can always tell when it's a full moon based on the behaviour of my customers in the pharmacy. Gillian says she sees it in her job too. I'm a mental health nurse and we would always say that there would be more admissions during this time as well as more disturbed behaviour displayed by those who are already admitted. I'm not sure if that can be factually supported though. And so does Nicolette, who says she can feel it in the air. I was the same working in hospitality. It would always be a strange vibe on a full moon. There would always be tension and a different energy, more arguments and people just rubbing each other up the wrong way. For Anna, it interrupts her nighttime rest. A full moon always affects my sleep. I always have a restless night if it's a full moon. Some women say the moon phase definitely interacts with our reproductive systems. I nearly always have my period on a full moon. I also have insomnia when the moon is full. Plus, four of my children were born when there was a full moon. I'm not particularly woo-woo, but it definitely affects me. My sister has been a midwife in NZ for donkey's years, and she has never had a full moon night off. And Mo says, considering the impact the moon has on the planet, it's no surprise it gets to us humans too. Well, when you think about what it does to tides, like it moves an entire ocean, so it's got to mess with our balance too. 
but last night's supermoon isn't the only supermoon we're getting this month. In a rare phenomena, we'll also see a blue supermoon on the last day of August. Despite its name, it's not blue at all. Not like the blood moon, where the full moon coincides with an eclipse, turning it a shade of crimson. It may be called a blue moon due to how rare we see this happen, hence the phrase once in a blue moon, referring to something that happens infrequently. The next time we'll be seeing this again won't be until 2032. So what is a blue supermoon? And will it show its force on us and on the Earth when it arrives on August 31? John T. Horner is a professor of astrophysics at the Centre for Astrophysics at the University of Southern Queensland. John T., we know a supermoon is when a full moon is closest to us in its orbit, but what is a blue supermoon and how is it different to an ordinary old supermoon? It's purely different because there's two of them in a month. Now, the moon goes around the Earth every 27 and a bit days. It takes a little bit longer to come back to full moon because the Earth's also going around the sun. But what that means is that the time between two full moons is slightly shorter than your normal month. And we're ignoring February here because February is a bit special. So what that means is that if you get a full moon in the first couple of days of the month, then you're going to get another full moon right at the end of the month. Just because the dates line up because that time between one full moon and the next is shorter than the length of the month. So it comes back around. There's historically a few different definitions that have been put together for blue moon. The most common and the one that most people hold to these days is that the second full moon in a calendar month is a blue moon. So that's what the blue moon is. So the blue moon is at the end of this month. And it's just down to that coincidence of having the full moon at the start of the month and the end of the month twice in a month. And of course, that's going to be a super moon because the moon's going to be a bit closer to us than average. Therefore, it will be a bit bigger in the sky than average and a bit brighter than average. So that's a supermoon. Put the two together and you get a blue supermoon. So last night I was reading that this first supermoon of the month was called a sturgeon moon. What is that? So this is a really quirky thing that for us in Australia is just a kind of passing interest rather than anything really relevant to us. You see, naming of things is a cultural thing, whether it's constellations, stars, whatever. A couple of decades ago, I believe it was, the... In America, the Farmer's Almanac started giving names to the different full moons. It's a little bit of colour more than anything else, something to make it a bit more interesting. What they did was they dug into Native American culture, and I've seen some discussions about whether they did it in a fairly appropriative way rather than actually involving people, but that's another discussion. But they dug into that culture, and they pulled out a list of names for the moons that tied to what the traditional owners were doing, were interested in, thought was important at the time. And so the different names that you get through the course of the year are from different areas of America, but they're to do with something that was happening at the time. The sturgeon moon is tied to the area around the Great Lakes in North America, where there's lots of sturgeon. They're a very common fish, and they're an important food source. And I think at this time of year, I don't know if they were spawning, but they were doing something important and interesting that made it this time of year that you wanted to recognise them. And so that's where the name comes from. So obviously for us in Australia, it's winter rather than summer. We don't have this profusion of sturgeon fish in the big lakes here that are doing something interesting at the time. But that name, which was originally a North America thing, has kind of taken off in a lot of popular media articles worldwide because of that globalness, the pervasiveness of media these days. You know, if somebody in America writes an article for one of the news organisations there, 
that'll be republished without change quite often by our local news organisations. And the name will carry through and it will gain traction that way. We know that the moon has quite an impact on the Earth itself. We know that it affects our tides, it lights up the night sky. Does the supermoon have any more of an impact on the Earth itself, being a lot closer? The moon's distance from the Earth is changing constantly. It moves on this slightly elongated orbit. So every single month, it is as close to us as it is with these supermoons. It's just that doesn't line up with full moon normally. So you only get supermoons about one period per year and you'll get three back to back. So if you imagine it, the moon has this orbit that is elongated. One end, it's closer to the Earth, opposite that it's furthest away. As it goes around the sun, the direction that that's pointing with respect to the sun changes. So we get the supermoon when the nearest point to the Earth is when the moon is on the opposite side of the Earth to where the sun is. And then you've got full moon and perigee, the closest approach to the Earth at the same time. But other than that, there's not really any huge effect. Now, one thing that will probably have a little bit of an effect, the distance is changing by about 10%, plus or minus. So it's 10% closer than average at the minute. When it's furthest away, it's 10% further away than average. So 20% further away than it is today, essentially. Being a little bit closer, it will raise slightly higher tides. It will also, like I said, be brighter in the sky by about 20%. Now, that sounds a big chunk. But our eyes are actually not that sensitive to small changes in brightness. So unless you're really looking for it, you won't really tell that the moon's that bit brighter. That's roughly on the limit of our perception of brightness is a 20% change. Similarly, it's a little bit bigger in the sky. But again, that's hard to spot with the naked eye. It will look really big when it's down on the horizon, when it's rising or setting. But that's something different. That's called the moon illusion. And it's, we think, because of perspective of having things to compare it to. It's not that it's nearer, it's actually further away when it's on the horizon than when it is overhead, albeit only by a tiny little bit. But there's all these little things at play. But the main impact of the whole supermoon phenomena is really just that it starts conversations like this. It gets people interested in the night sky, interested in what's happening. And I think it brings a different audience out to look at the sky and appreciate that kind of shared history and heritage and the beauty that we've had that we share with our ancestors going back many generations. Now, we know that there is certain places around the world that are considered ideal for people to look at the night sky, that they're dark enough, there's not light pollution seeping in from nearby cities in order for us to study the stars. Does the same apply for seeing a supermoon? Are there certain places in Australia, for example, that are the best place to view a supermoon? It's an aesthetic question. Everywhere you are in Australia, so long as you can see the moon, you'll get a good view of it. But In terms of the best places to view it, we're not talking about getting a sharper view or a clearer view unless you're somewhere with a telescope or something like that. And if you're looking at the moon through a telescope, I'd actually argue you shouldn't look at it at full moon. You should look at it when it's a crescent moon because you get to see more spectacle, more beauty that way. But in terms of the best places to see the supermoon, you want to be looking at it when it's rising or setting because that's when it's most striking and dramatic. And so if you can work out where that's going to be, there are wonderful planetarium programs online you can figure out exactly what direction it will rise. You can pick your location so that it rises with something scenic in the background, with a really nice view around it. So I've seen some really nice photos in the past where people have planned in advance and done things like getting the moon shining through the dome of a lighthouse or getting it next to the dish of the radio telescope at parks or things like this, where you can actually think about the aesthetic of what is around the moon in the sky when it's rising and how you can set that up to make it 
even more spectacular. But, you know, the most important place to see the moon is with people you care about and share it with them. That's one of the beauties of the night sky is it's a shared experience and you can sit out and wonder together. So that's what we know about supermoons from an astrophysics perspective. But we need to ask the question so many of us say we've seen and experienced personally when a full moon is upon us. Does it impact human behaviour? I've not seen any strong kind of scientific evidence for that. So in terms of people who stood it bit and found a clear, repeatable signal effectively. I've heard a lot of anecdotal stuff though. And in fact, my partner is a primary school teacher and she swears blind that the kids at school are more feral around full moon than at any other time. And there are subtle reasons why that could be the case because we've evolved to sleep at night when it's dark. The bright moonlight will interfere with that to some degree, but that's going to be less relevant these days because we've got so many other sources of light at night anyway. I mean, we've seen all the discussion about having blue screens in your hand and things like that. You know, you want to turn off lights and get a good hour of not looking at a phone before you go to bed. So that kind of thing is having the same kind of impact. So therefore, I'd have thought any signal from the moon is going to be a little bit washed out. But there is going to be some degree of an impact to life on the Earth more broadly because of that extra light. And it does play into the narrative we've got about the challenges to problems with light pollution. There are a growing number of studies of that where we've got this pervasive light at night. And that is incredibly bad for wildlife. It's causing huge upset for the lives of birds and wildlife in cities. But there's also growing evidence that it is very bad for the health of human beings as well. And I saw one study recently that had a huge number of samples of women across the planet. And what they'd found is much to their astonishment and much to mine, I've got to admit, that increased amount of light from light pollution is actually being tied to increasing rates of breast cancer because of the impact of the light on the circadian rhythms, on the production of hormones during nighttime. There seems to be a causal link between us having more light at night, floodlights and streetlights and all the rest of it, and increasing risk from breast cancer. So there's a lot of oddities pulling together But I'd be lying if I said science has all the answers yet. That's part of the joy of science is we're all about asking questions. It's what if, why exists. And one of the great things in science is if we find something we don't know or we don't understand, because that's something new to learn. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tegan Sadler.